Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to e-commerce conversations, a podcast by Practical E-commerce. What's going on, Internet? Eric Van Holtz here, back again with another e-commerce conversations. Hope all's going well on the other side of the internet. On the other side of me, via the internet, I got Blair. Blair Budlong. How's it going, man? Great. Thanks for having me. Pleasure's all mine. Blair Budlong with Dex Direct. You've been doing this for how long? Uh, about twelve years. Twelve years, man, and you're killing it. Eight-figure business. All online, right? All online? We say 99% online. Okay. We accidentally have some local people. <laughs> that 1%, in my case, would be like my mom and my brother and my sister. <laughs> so we met years ago at an e-commerce fuel conference, and uh, Blair uh, got confused for me, right? You want to tell that story? Absolutely. So <laughs> it was my first year at EZF Live, and I used to have about a, you know, a six or seven inch long beard, and everybody kept coming up to me and just saying, Hey, you know, thanks for coming. Like, I really like what you're doing. And I'd only been a member for a few months. So like, I couldn't understand what everybody was talking about. And finally, about three quarters of the way through the week, somebody finally pointed out that people were confusing me with you. And that just because I had a beard, therefore I must be the beard brand guy, which uh, at my stature of about five foot eight and whatever you were at at six foot six or whatever, and being bald, I didn't match your profile at all. But I had many, many conversations as if uh, I was you, I guess, that people thought they were talking to you all week. Well, you know, all of us bearded guys, we look exactly the same. Yeah. But I, I think they shouldn't have been talking to me. They should be talking to you because what you've built with Dex Direct just blows my mind, like fundamentally how you've been able to do that, the logistics you're able to do. Give a quick 30-second rundown of how your business is set up, what your products are, the, kind of the logistics behind it. Yeah. We're a pure retailer. We don't manufacture or source any of our own products. We buy products from manufacturers or brands and uh, warehouse and distribute those. Pretty much the majority of the products that we sell, you can buy someplace else or like through a lumber yard or through a Home Depot, but nobody knows how to use them. And we've built a business that focuses, you know, primarily on the, the higher end of architectural finishes that if you looked at a backyard deck and said, hey, that's super cool. Like we're the products that make it super cool and we don't sell wood. We don't sell lumber commodity type stuff. We don't get into foundations. It's primarily the higher end composite deckings to metal railings, to cable, to glass, specialty fasteners. And we stay exclusively the deck. So we don't get into landscaping or lighting or house wraps or any of that kind of stuff. Everything we do is focused on deck construction. And so we bring in products and redistribute it out. Like our sayings, help people build better decks. Like we want people to walk outside and just be in awe of how awesome this thing is and kind of what their hopes and dreams are to match their homes and match their backyards and their lifestyles. Yeah. I mean, it's really, you're giving people more square footage to their house by giving them an outdoor living space. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. When you think of e-commerce, you always think about like the sexy direct to consumer brands and their, you know, pastel colors and their slab fonts and things like that. You don't really think about decks. How did you find this opportunity? Did it kind of fall into your lap or were you in the industry beforehand? I was in the industry beforehand, just going backwards a little bit. I came out of college uh, with an architectural degree and worked in architecture for some time. So building materials and construction and, but with kind of a key towards design. After a few years in architecture, I went and worked in a family business that we sold a product related to deck construction, but did it through Home Depot and Lowe's. So my two main customers were the big box stores and manufactured and distributed nationally as a national vendor for those guys. And through that, we had a lot of communication and contact with that end consumer. Our marketing channel was to bypass the stores and go direct to the consumer for support and information, and then they would buy it through the stores. So as that product and that company was kind of going away due to like our patent was expiring, the natural transition was to go into Dex Direct of here's a whole bunch of products. Here's a whole bunch of really cool stuff that you can't find at big box stores. And let's get it directly to that person because the big box stores just weren't focusing on like the super cool stuff. And I always thought that stuff was fun. And I loved working directly with homeowners that were building their own decks. And so I transitioned out of that other business and just started Dex Direct and thought, hopefully this will work. (laughs) It wasn't a big master plan of, you know, putting together a business plan. It, It was literally me and another guy putting together a Magento web store that was free at the time and see what would happen. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple of things. Previously, you were at the manufacturer, right? Yep. And then I assume you maintained that relationship so that you could sell the products on Dex Direct, correct? So you, you kind of had product to get go or no? Nope. The product that I sold was a concrete pier block called Deck Block that it was concrete. It didn't make sense to ship that via FedEx. So that relationship stayed with Depot and Lowe's. But kind of the way I looked at it is the relationship that I had with consumers and homeowners transitioned over to Dex Direct. How did you do that? I assume there would be like non-competes or was it just... When I say transitioned over, more of just like understanding their wants and needs. Our plan was to get into Home Depot and Lowe's stores with our marketing material to drive them to our website. From there, we would give away free deck plans. We had free technical support. So homeowners all over the country would call in of like, hey, how do I build this deck or what material should I be using? Or do you have a recommendation for something? So we had a whole service department that helped people in this process because you just, you don't build a deck very often. So you have to learn how to do it each time you go to do it. And just through that transition, we knew what the problems that customers were having with getting materials and figuring out how to build these decks in their backyard. So I say I transitioned you know, from the customer over. It, it was more of understanding their needs and wants that we transitioned into Dextract. Yeah, just speaking their language and understanding yep. their pain points. So your customers, you don't go through the trade at all. It's all direct to homeowners, residential, no commercial. Yep. We kind of look at it as three ways of the do-it-yourselfer, the do-it-for-me, and then the general contractor of somebody that is typically a remodeler, somebody that builds three to four decks a year. Okay. So you do go after those three customer bases then? Yep. That's kind of our divisions. Okay. I think you kind of led on to it a little bit, but how are you able to attract buyers? How are you able to get in front of them? Is it through content marketing? Is that a big portion of it? Or are you 
doing a lot of paid channels? Uh, we do a lot of paid. We need to be out there when people are looking. We typically don't market towards somebody that's thinking about building a deck. We're going to target you once you've already decided to build a deck, which is kind of a rough area. But we do a little bit of content stuff and we spend a fair amount just on SEO and trying to be better at that. Like we obviously don't have like a YouTube channel that you have or you know some of the other people in e-commerce like that hasn't been one of our goals we're more about the aesthetics than about the how-to well you kind of you mentioned you had all these you know deck plans and things like that that just seems like a surefire opportunity for content marketing and kind of mm -hmm. getting them into the funnel that way yeah and that's like every year we're like man we need to do more of this and then <laughs> you just can't catch up with it well, I mean, that's a good problem. Have you guys been growing rapidly through the whole COVID timeframe or has it been a tough year for you guys? Both. We grew a lot. It's probably the best way I could describe it. A lot of people across the country are sitting at home working with a lot of disposable income of not going to work and looking outside as they're doing their work from home job. So we had a lot of volume this year and it was tough. It was really, really hard to catch up to it, to keep people safe, to get our distribution center kind of caught up. Hiring labor this year was very, very difficult. We warehouse out of uh, Indianapolis and boy, we struggled. We struggled with being able to get everything out the door and, you know, a lot of growth. It hurts on the way up as much as it, you know, could be on the way down. Yeah. I mean, of the two pain problems I would rather have though, I'd rather try to figure out how to scale up a business then. Yeah. Uh, you know, deleverage uh, business. I think I remember you talking about, didn't you guys move your warehouse from like Minneapolis to Indiana? Yep. Two years ago, we outgrown our facility in Minnesota and we made the decision to move it to Indianapolis. We looked at a couple different locations, but we just took the opportunity of we we're needing to throw everything off of a rack onto a pallet and move it. Why not be closer to where the East Coast and a large percentage of the population is with an idea of it would get us closer to the East Coast without slowing anything down going West and kind of a plan to, you know, maybe look at a West Coast facility after a couple of years. But yeah, we separated from Minneapolis to Indianapolis. And so far it's been, it's been a great decision. Yeah. You're still up in Minnesota though, right? Yep. So, uh, are, are you making that trip down or you've got ops people kind of managing all that? How are you able to kind of like keep a close grasp on kind of a remote location like that? Yeah, I traveled quite a bit this year in between the shutdowns and just kind of summer COVID life and pandemic needs. I went back and forth quite a bit this year just to honestly to help out and to do whatever I could to help. It was like our good bottleneck problem. So I go fair amount. We have somebody else in our organization that's a director of distribution that she oversees the facility. We kind of alternated back and forth weekends. And last year, pre-pandemic, I was down to going about once a quarter towards the tail end. And yeah, we have great people and we've got a pretty good ERP system that keeps us up to date of our scorecards and how we're doing. And we had already separated our warehouse from our office two years prior. So that also kind of helps when you build your systems and processes to not be in the same building with your inventory. So a couple of things I want to touch base on. First of all, would you consider yourself more of like a, an ops guy or a marketing guy? You know, if you would have asked me a few years ago, I would have said, I'm a marketing guy. Like that's where I get my energy and a lot of my drive. And I, I have a ton of fun doing it. And I found myself like the ability to kind of trust and hire people into a marketing department that could do a lot of those things. And I didn't need to manage it as much because I could see what they were doing and trusting it and had to transition into being kind of an ops guy. And that's been fun. 
like I can find energy and excitement on both sides of it. And kind of as different things sway up and down of need, I can kind of fill in in both sides. And right now I'm trying to get myself back out of the ops type stuff and, you know, back into a little bit more of the strategy and, you know, longer term vision planning stuff. But I like doing both. Uh, speaking of vision, where are you going with it? What's the big plan the next five, 10 years? We want to be big. We have some 800-pound gorillas of Home Depot and Lowe's and Menards that we're not going to catch them in five years of like their production of deck projects in the United States. But our goal is to be number four behind those big three ones. Either I'm very naive or you know, I think we can do it. Like we've got kind of our project plan to be the fourth largest decking dealer in the country. I think what's really refreshing for talking with you is just that singular focus. Like me as like your typical ADD entrepreneur, I want to come up with all these different brands and, you know, like different markets and channels and all this. You just want to sell a crap ton of deck stuff Mm -hmm. to residential people in America, right? Just America. Yep. (laughs) Canada can do their own deal. Yeah. (laughs) That's just like, it's so cool to be able to, you know, have that focus and then kind of stay on that pathway. Do you feel like you're ever getting pulled away from that vision at all or? I used to. We adopted EOS or traction about eight years ago. And like, that was the first and best thing that ever came out of EOS was building that really, really tight core focus. And at the time we were getting into landscape lightings, we were getting into bird baths. I was all over the place trying to find anything. Well, if we can sell it on the internet, we should put it on our website. And we narrowed that focus down and we are a deck company. And that's all I want to be. I love that. It keeps me in a box and the direction that we're going. And there's a big enough market to just keep focusing on that. Yeah. How much room do you think is there to grow? Is it one of these fixed pie situations or do you feel like there's opportunity to bring value and kind of create new market share? A little bit of both, but it's a huge, huge market. I mean, opportunity is every house in the United States and there's a lot of them. And we also have a product that usually lasts anywhere from 10 years to 20 years. So like they do deteriorate and need replacement. And the majority of the people that have a deck, when it needs to be replaced, they replace it. They don't just take it down and, you know, throw it away. So it renews. Yeah. So let's go back to the the operations side of things. You're like one of the first people I ever talked to who said these words. I love our ERP. (laughs) (laughs) What are the secrets to that? How does that happen? We're on NetSuite and I'd love it. I mean, does it have problems and does it have faults? Yeah, absolutely. But everything does. But I love that it ties completely into our financials. It ties into our inventory, to our HR functionality. We can see everything that's going on. And now that we have years of data and information, it allows us to make better decisions all the time. And you just can't hide in that thing. (laughs) I don't know how you could do anything without it. You know, obviously it picks and pulls out of different other systems, but we use NetSuite as kind of our main Bible of data and information. Everything goes in and out of it. I love it. And I don't know how you could have done it through a pandemic with work from home of if you had, you know, too many other systems. So it's been great. Are you just selling on Dex Direct? I mean, you mentioned there's the 1% local, but are you guys doing Amazon or any other channels? Nope. We're exclusively on our own website. Yeah, so I'd imagine that kind of helps with, again, that singularity, that focus provides so many more opportunities to, you know, just streamline the business. How many SKUs are you guys dealing with? We inventory maybe 8,000 is what we're kind of up to. We show probably, I don't know, it's probably up to closer to 80,000. 
So a lot of those are drop shipping or? Usually it's more of like a special order type scenario where it's a custom color and we'll bring it in and then reship it back out. Okay. Are you guys still on Magento? Yep. We've been on Magento since the first day. Again, I love it. It works really, really well for us. I don't have any problem with Shopify. It just had limitations for the types of products that we sell that it just didn't work well. I feel like Magento is really good for a lot of variants Mm -hmm. and larger catalogs. But again, like our store, we only have a hundred you know, 20 SKUs, something like that. So far different scope than 80,000. How have you built your team out? I mean, when I think about looking at this from the outside, I feel like you need like a data guy or some kind of analytics guy, guy or girl, obviously. And then you've got your warehouse leadership and, you know, the team for that. And then your marketing, you're, you're just focused on paid are you guys working with any kind of outsource parties as well? Or, or correct me if I'm kind of going the wrong direction with how you've built your team out. We are far more sales focused. So our largest department of, well, maybe outside of warehousing, but our largest department in the office is our sales team. So they're handling phone calls, working with customers, working on projects. And we kind of take the attitude of like, you know, you got to keep the sales guys happy. You know, nothing happens until you sell products. We focus more towards that customer. And then internally, then we have an operations team that's accountable for our purchasing and inventory management. We've got a marketing team that we do currently outsource our ad network or pay-per-click, but then we do you know, photography and a little bit of video internally. We do a lot of our content internally. And then we've got a finance department. Yeah, some kind of miscellaneous stuff in between. How has it been to scale up knowledgeable talent in the sales team? I assume you've built many processes for that as well. Yeah, not too bad. That's been kind of our focus since day one is, you know, helping customers. So bringing people in, getting them trained up on some of the products and and kind of letting them loose. You hire the right people and they just figure out how to make it work in between. So we're actually pretty good at hiring sales and, and customer service people that can kind of just fit in and help customers. And our customers are happy. Like they're building a cool project on the backside of their house that they're probably within two or three weeks of having a giant barbecue and like celebrating the completion. So that helps too of like, you're never in confrontation with frustrated customers. Like they're calling us for help. So it's makes for a good culture. Yeah. I'm a former salesperson. So I know what the mindset of salespeople are. They're interesting breeds. I would <laughs> hate to build an organization around them and, and all the drama that comes in with it. Are you guys trying to hire quote unquote salespeople? Or are you trying to hire like, you know, Home Depot associates and, you know, guiding them along like someone who's more passionate about the industry or passionate about sales? I'm more passionate about sales and people. In fact, I don't think we've ever hired for sales somebody that had previous building or building material construction experience. They're selling to homeowners that like they want to be heard. They want something fun and exciting. It's not about how it works as much as what they need to make with their vision and their ideas of how it's going to look on their house. We can solve the technical stuff off the phone of getting the right parts and pieces. But on the phone, you got somebody that can like really identify what their wants and needs are and, and help them get to the end of that project. Yeah. Yeah, good listener. And how are you hiring these salespeople then? Like, what are the questions you ask? How do you put the job descriptions out there? To be honest, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> We've got a director of sales that is far better at hiring uh, great salespeople. Whether it's that department or any of the other departments, like I've been super huge on in interviews. We're looking to see whether they hit our five core values. And like, that's our step one is like, are you the right person? And after kind of identifying a handful of questions that whether they're going to hit our core values or not, then we start diving into how well they can do and how well they can perform. 
on the sales team, I know they do some sort of quick like test system to evaluate kind of whether they'd fit in here or not. But across the board, whether you're coming in on sales or you're coming in as a buyer or you're coming in as an accountant, like we really, really tackle that kind of core value piece first. What are your five core values? And did you roll those out when you rolled out EOS or did you have them beforehand? Oh, no, I rolled those out in EOS. Honestly, I was a terrible hire. I did terrible interviews and I didn't understand how to do it or how to evaluate people. So when somebody tipped me off to book traction, I, at first I thought it was kind of gimmicky and I'd seen core values when you walk into businesses and it just kind of looked like a corporate stuff. But once we identified it, it was me and one other person sitting around with a whiteboard being like, well, why is it that four or five of us here actually work and we keep running through problems with people? And when we put together our, our five values, they've stuck since the day one. One of them we kind of updated slightly, but the intent of it was the same. So our big ones like do the right thing. You know, we're not solving huge problems, like help a customer, you know, figure out what's the best thing you need to do. You know, just ask yourself that question all the time. Is this the right thing to do? And if it is, go. You don't need to ask for permission. Service the customer first. We want to be heavily focused on what their wants and needs are. It begins with self, which is more about like, hey, if you don't know the answer, go figure it out. You know, listen to podcasts, you know, read books, educate yourself that it's on you to help yourself kind of grow and learn. If you don't know how a product works, go figure it out. Like ask somebody to teach you. Four is deliver excellence every day. This is the fun one when you start putting down values and people, you know, say, well, we want to be fun. Well, we're like, that's not a value, but we want people that show up every day that like are just excited to come in. If they have that kind of attitude coming in the door and everybody else does, it creates the byproduct of like a fun, enjoyable environment. And then the last is maintain an edge above the rest where we don't want to work hard, play hard, or we don't want to win at the detriment of somebody else, but we want to push ourselves to continue to grow. And kind of the speech that I give a lot of people is that like, this is the one where you run a road race. If you're running like a 5k or a 10k and, and you get done and you're frustrated because you had a little bit left in the tank and you want to go out and rerun it in a couple of weeks and beat your personal time and having that self-drive to just keep getting a little bit better each time. So those are our five core values that we kind of look for in everybody to have some sort of internal governance to do the right thing, services and customer and you know, grow and learn, be happy. Yeah. How long are you giving team members like to tell if, I guess it's, what is it, a trial period or something before you know they, they really represent those five core values? Well, we try to hit it in the interview of just seeing if they have kind of the right attitude towards all these things. But if somebody came in and like we missed something in an interview or, you know, we're going to probably give them a couple of months to like identify it and talk about it and see what we're looking for. And, and we've got so many people around here that we can use as examples of like, Hey, you see how this guy or this gal operates on a day-to-day -day basis? Like, you know, be more like that. <laughs> like there's so many great examples around everybody that it's easier to point to that. You know, we don't usually do a lot of PIP program type stuff for core values. It's more just kind of general conversation. And if it doesn't work and then they're usually just the wrong person. And usually we both agree that it's not the right fit. Yeah. Do you find that, and again, I don't know how disconnected you are from your team and that, that hiring firing process, but do you find that kind of your gut of their core values, most of them aren't able to change? Or do you find that if you point to the right direction that people will, will kind of finally get it and start representing the core values better? Yeah. I, like I think a lot of people are just scared to be themselves a lot of times. And sometimes they just need the permission to be themselves at work. Like they think they have to prove some sort of professionalism or they're just a little guarded to be who they really are. 
And I see that more than anything of like, you know, hey, just the person that you are in the evenings when you're hanging out with your friends, bring that person into work. Like that's who we want here. And when they hear that, then they usually kind of drop that guard and open up a little bit and willing to take chances and risks and be a little bit vulnerable to everybody. And then it starts rolling. Sometimes they can't though. Yeah. So you think it's mostly to do with that? Just not getting in the real person? Getting yeah. It's huh. kind of interesting take on it. We've kind of had more of a trust your gut kind of time frame, and, you know, kind of bringing the hatchet man uh, <laughs> sooner rather than later. You know, like after a certain period of time, you just kind of know if someone's going to fit or not fit. Yeah. And I, I think when you use, you know, a, a value structure and like we've done this long enough that we've kind of have five bullet points of what each of these values are. It allows us to quantify that gut that before you're like, hey, this person doesn't fit. And it was just kind of a generic statement. But now we're able to sit down and say, okay, where are they at on this value? Where are they at? You know, how they handle service in the customer first. And we have five things underneath there. And it allows us to quantify that they don't fit type scenario. I agree with this. You know, we're traction EOS people as well. Not religious about it, but we have our quarterly strategy sessions and core values. Ours are freedom, hunger, and trust. And it is, you know, not only that, like for freedom to exist or that self-drive to exist that players talking about, they need to have that almost like those guardrails, right? And that's what the KPIs are, or the key performance indicators. And it's been a big impact on our business, less probably from a performance standpoint, but more from like a stress standpoint. I feel like for us, when we rolled out traction, EOS, our stress levels kind of went down because everyone was on the same page. Blair, I wanted to, I kind of wanted to end this with some free advice, which I expect for you to proudly reject. <laughs> it's like, man, if I own Dex Direct, I... In no time, we go to a creative agency and do a, a YouTube ad that talks about how you guys love the biggest decks and you also <laughs> love little decks and decks with curves in them. And you could just look at decks all day long. Tell me you've done some creative like that. <laughs> uh, we've never actually produced it. Okay. Um, but it, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> It fits with my personality, and sometimes I have to hold myself back from releasing some of that stuff. Dude, you just got to do it. I mean, because if you do it, like, tastefully and, like, I don't know, like, you have a good creative ad agency, like, that would just crush it on YouTube. <laughs> like, you would absolutely crush it. It would be, like, one of those kind of viral companies. Of course, I can't do it. But I don't know how many of your customers are prudes and... <laughs> yeah, we have a little bit older uh, customer base. And the big deal is we're not an impulsive purchase. We can't just be like, hey, you know, maybe you should build a deck right now. You have to be in the right time frame. Yeah, I guess. You know your business better than I do. But I think like you got to create that funnel, top of funnel sometimes. So, yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, something like that just, you know, puts decks on people's minds. So they're thinking about decks all day long. <laughs> That's, that's all I got, man. I don't know. <laughs> when I get in trouble in the next six months, I'll let you know because I released that. <laughs> yeah, you can you can blame me for it. Where can people uh, follow you, learn more about you, and kind of support your business? Yeah, we put all of our employees and all their contact on our website, nextdirect.com. I'm a little bit on Twitter, not a ton. Facebook and Instagram, I'm on both those under Blair Budlong or Blair at Dextrect. Sweet, man. And if you like big decks or little decks... Head over to DexDirect.com. All right, Blair, appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming on the show. As always, it's been a lot of fun for me. I love our time together, and I can't wait until uh, maybe next time e-commerce fuel gets going again, being able to share some stories. Appreciate it. Right, Thanks, Eric. Cheers, guys.
keep on growing.